Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine, perfectly orchestrated destiny for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. This is Soul Success, and I'll be your host, Pastor Steve Castle. We're going to get there really fast because the Holy Spirit has a supernatural warp speed. Captain Picard's got zero on the Holy Spirit. For all of the younger generation, just Google it. Captain Picard was one of the coolest people ever. Word. He needs to be saved. I need to go get him. Maybe I will. Uh, Third John verse two says, "Beloved, who is that?" Yes. Beloved means the ones who are greatly loved. You're not only beloved of God; you're beloved of us, which is what Amy was saying. You're not just greatly loved by the Father; you are. You're not just greatly loved by Jesus; you are. You're not even just greatly loved by the Holy Spirit. You are. And I know that probably a bunch of people are struggling with that because you think the Holy Spirit's job is to make you feel terrible about yourself. You have been religiousized, and you need to repent. The Holy Spirit's job is to comfort. Jesus actually said that's his name. So if your relationship with the Holy Spirit doesn't bring you comfort, you're talking to the wrong spirit. The Holy Spirit loves you. You are greatly loved by the Holy Spirit. And you're greatly loved by a bunch of weirdos that hang around on Lena on Sunday morning. I was so blessed last night. Uh, uh, Chris and Missy stayed at our house last night. Um, and we were talking till too late. They keep me up. All my friends keep me up later and I need to stay up. Um, and we were talking and, and, uh, they invited some folks and, uh, to church and blah, 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 long story. But I got to hear again, which was really great that we're a cult. Yep. Amen. You didn't know that a cult felt this good. So welcome to the cult. Um, and the reason that people usually throw that out is because you tend to have characteristics going on in you that they don't have going on in their life, so therefore you have to be the one that's wrong and weird. Well, people just can't love each other. They can't actually care about each other and like call each other and hang out at each other's house. They have to be a cult. Right. Like Jesus. Every time we're called a cult, it just, it literally, and I'm not even being funny, it literally blesses me. Because it shows how different of a culture we have created that people just can't 
they, they don't have a grid for it, and so they have to condemn it. It's just like when you're, if you're ever talking to somebody and they want to have a debate with you and you win the debate, well, they just call you a name. Well, you're just fat and ugly. What in the crap's that got to do with the debate? Well, I lost, and so I'm calling you a name. That's what happens when people don't understand what we got and you try to explain it to them and they don't get it. Well, it sounds like a cult to me. What is even a cult? Cult actually comes from the word culture. I don't know if you know that or not. So we are. We have a culture where you're greatly loved by the Father, by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, and by each other. And we want your souls to be incredibly successful, so successful that it overflows and creates healing in your body and peace in your mind and unity in your relationships and prosperity to your finances and it turns the corners of your mouth north instead of south, and it does all these amazing things on the inside of you that you weren't being able to get done through the world system, through drugs and alcohol and sex and rock and roll and all the stupid stuff that we all used to do, looking for that one thing that was going to bless us and benefit us, never, never found it, and then ran face-to-face into Jesus and got nuked. And I have been radioactive ever since. And I want to release this into your soul. So, beloved, I pray, remember that this word pray isn't pray like I'm asking God or begging God. In fact, if you're begging God or you're asking God repetitively, you are not operating in New Testament prayer. If you ask for the same thing from the Father twice... At least one of them was in unbelief. See, that's where people get like offended. And then they still clap for me, so I don't even get it. And I'm like, well, no, I ask for God for stuff, the same thing over and over all the time. I know. Have you got it? Well, no, I don't know why. <laughs> trying to help you. If you ask for the same thing twice, one of them at least was in unbelief. Probably both of them. James says that when you pray, you have got to pray in faith because if you don't, whatever you ask, that man should, re- should think that he will receive nothing from the Lord. You ask twice, at least one of them is an unbelief. Try that with somebody that you actually have a deep relationship with. If I went to Kay and I said... Uh, baby, will you stop by the store on the way to the Conania and get me a Diet Dr. Pepper? Because I like Diet Dr. Pepper. And she says, yes, my love, who's very hot, who I think about all day. I'm like God calling those things that be not as though they are. How you doing? Yes, honey, I will stop by uh, the gas station and get you a Diet Dr. Pepper. And then three minutes later, I say, hey, honey, will you get me a Diet Dr. Pepper? She'd be like, well, maybe you didn't hear me answer. Yes, honey, I'll be happy to get you a Diet Dr. Pepper. Kate, please. (laughs) 
I'm desperate for a diet Dr. Pepper at the Conanea. All the people laugh and pray like that. <laughs> I'm just messing. They're laughing because they've probably seen someone pray like that. You know, at some point, Kay's going to be like, are you for real? Like, I'm saying this gently, but shut up. <laughs> this, uh, this, a lot of Christians' prayer lives is this. If you beg God, you don't have a relationship with Him. Right. It's way little you down here talking to way big God who probably really doesn't even give a rip about you way off out there. And you think if you make enough noise and have enough emotion attached to it, eventually you'll just beat him into submission and he'll give you some little dabble, do you? That is a terrible, terrible doctrine. Amen. Terrible. Your father loves you. He wants to give you more than you'll ask for. Amen. I'm a father. I'm not even as good as that father. And I want my kids to have more than they want. In fact, oftentimes Kay and I have to be like, we can't want this more for our kids than they want it. We can't want this more for our kids than it. As a minister, as a pastor, guess what I struggle with? I can't want this more for them than they want it. I can't want this more from them. As people that I counsel that meet with me all the time that, that do ministry, I can't, for those of you, you know you're in the room that I've said, hey, welcome to the ministry. And they're always like, but I'm so frustrated because I want this person to have this. I'm like, I know. Welcome to the Jesus life. You want people to have all this amazing stuff that Jesus paid for them to have. And they won't have it because they don't want to go there. And you want them to go there. The Father wants you to have more than you have. You don't have to beg Him. You don't even barely have to ask. You just have to believe that He wants to do it for you. Then when you pray, you ask in faith. Because you know He wants to do these things for you. Amen. This word for prayer is a divine desire. I cannot pray you healthy. And I know that messes with a bunch of people. I thought we're supposed to pray for the sick. Not one place in the New Testament do you have a command to pray for the sick. Not one place. And I know the Bible. Not one place. You are commanded to heal the sick. can't go there. You can't pray salvation into someone. If they don't get saved because of what Jesus did on the cross, you think your prayers are going to... Are you for real? If it was just praying for people to get saved, why did Jesus leave heaven and go through all of that? No. People have to hear the gospel in their ears, believe it in their hearts, and then respond to it by faith. That is how salvation takes place. That's how salvation takes place in your life. That's how it's going to take place in their life. Can you pray to help speed those things along? Yeah, you can pray the Father, the Lord of the harvest, to pray laborers into people's fields. Amen. And eventually they'll like get so worn out because 50 people a day are like, Hey, do you know Jesus? He really loves you. He wants to do great things for you. Will you please leave me alone? Why is it everywhere I go? Oh, Chris is praying for me. <laughs> And you can go and live a witness. That's another thing you can do to get someone saved. If you want someone healed, go lay hands on them. The kingdom of God's in your hand. Go put it on them. If it doesn't get into them right away, then put a bunch of oil on your hand and then do it. 
And if that still doesn't do it, take the oil, dump it on their head. At some point, they'll break down all of their resistance and they'll let it in. (laughs) Amen. Don't call me if they get offended. (laughs) I desire, I godly, in a godly, fatherly, heart way. This is from the Apostle John. He was the Apostle of Love. The apostle of agape, and he was a father in the faith. He always, he called it, when he wrote this entire book, he was like, my little children, the people that I love, and so this is from a deep, lovingly, fatherly leadership place of desire that God has for you through the words of John, I desire above all things. If I was to come up to you and say, what do you desire above all things for the person that you love the most in your life? I would get probably a hundred, however many people are in here, 125 answers. This is God's answer. He wants you healthy. He wants you healthy. And He wants your soul pristine. Because He knows everything else flows from there. This is what the Father wants for you. This is what your pastor wants for you. This is what the Holy Spirit wants for you. Is that you prosper and experience divine health as you allow that to take place in your soul. If you're not experiencing it in your body or your finances or your emotions, it's because you haven't allowed it to take place in your soul. That's why I'm getting in my Camaro SS and I'm driving into your driveway. I'm going to convince you or offend you, depending on who you are. Uh, Psalms 35:27. Let, <laughs> let them shout for joy and be glad. Woo! This is glad face. If you ate prunes on the way to church, we'll lay hands on you. And it will cast it out. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. God's righteous cause. God's righteous cause for your life. Is for you to be saying continually, Father, I want you to be magnified through the way that you are prospering my life. I wish that everyone in this room would meditate just on that verse for just an hour this week. Just let that verse roll through your head. I'm telling you, it will probably change your perspective, not only of the Father's love for you, but also His desire in your life. Let them say continually. If I followed you around with a tape recorder, would I be hearing this continually come out of you? Don't answer. Probably not. Because we say continually, usually, what the enemy is doing to us. Which gives him permission to do more of it. <laughs> say this continually, I'll guarantee, I'll bet you five bucks. Well, I better be careful. Oh, a lot of people in here. <laughs> I'll bet you an uncertain amount of money <laughs> that if you did this for a week, if this is the only thing that came out of your mouth all week, 
Is the Father's legitimate righteous cause in your life? If that's the only thing, not one complaint, not one moan, not one groan, not one irritation at so-and-so and such-and-such, not what your spouse didn't do right for you, If this is the only thing that came out of your mouth for one week, I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you, money back guarantee, that next week you will show up here and things will be better. Promise you. Promise you. Promise you. And for those of you that probably aren't going to do it, you're going to be like, well, whatever, it ain't that easy. I know. It's got to be way, way, way harder, which means you, since you can't do the easy thing, we guarantee you can't do the really hard thing, which means you're not going to get it either way. So since you're there, um, maybe I'm not talking to anybody. Maybe this is someone out in YouTube land. Since you're there, why don't you just go ahead and try the easy thing? See what happens. Maybe I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. Send me an email. People do it all the time. The Lord Himself, and I'm going to do this really fast, because you guys took all my time. (laughs) (laughs) I love you back. (laughs) Amen. The Lord Himself, Jesus Christ, and I know this is going to super jack with a bunch of people's religion in the room, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to do that. I really honestly just want to minister freedom and truth and watch incredible things happen in people's lives, but then I like hit, like run full bore into the china shop of people's religion, and then they call me a bull, and stuff happens, not my fault. The Lord Himself had a soul. Jesus Christ had a soul. And his soul had the same opportunity to look like your soul. And I know, like, no, he's God. Everything was perfect. Are you for real? You think that he wasn't tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin? You think he didn't have opportunity to be depressed? To be oppressed? To think bad things? Let me say this. I'll guarantee way more than you. And let me give you just one example, and this will probably resonate more with the guys in the room than the gals. If you had a kajillion angels that could do anything you wanted them to do anytime you wanted them to do it, and you just had a bunch of religious Pharisees try to throw you off a cliff because you told them the truth, You'd probably give them a little bit of, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> Get frank. <laughs> Not one time did Jesus do that. Not one time did he use power to fry someone. <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> if you think that you got it harder than he does. That's why you're disqualifying yourself to, to have the power of God flow through your life. Elijah did it. Elijah fried people with the power of God. You don't believe me? Look it up. He fried people with the power of God. For no reason. He was actually wrong. 
According to the New Testament, if you look in Luke chapter uh, 10, Jesus said that if he would have done that in the New Testament, he would have been rebuked by God. But he did it in the Old Testament. And I don't have time to get into all that. But the point of what I'm saying is, Jesus was tempted like not only with feeling or struggling with what you feel or struggle, but then also maybe doing like the God thing to whatever he had to develop his soul and keep it perfect. He had to maintain his soul. So when we're talking about doing this in your life, this is not something that's just unique to the to the you experience. Like this is all people, all time, up to and including the people, Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 40, says that Jesus had to develop himself in faith and in the grace of God. He grew up his ability to live in wisdom. Now, I know this is, this is super messing with some people, but it's scripture. And they're, the reason they're struggling with it, because I didn't put these scriptures on there. These are things just coming out of my head. So Luke 2.40 says that Jesus had to grow If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get you a Bible. You really need a Bible. And the child grew the child. This is the child. Jesus was called a child. Now, to put this in perspective, in Luke chapter 1, when the angels showed up to the shepherds about Jesus' birth, they said, go see the Lord. When Jesus was in the womb, he was Lord. That'll mess with you. When he came out of the womb, he was Lord. When he was one years old, he was the Lord. When he was 11, he was the Lord. He, he was the Lord in his spirit. But his soul had to learn things you had to learn. I'm, if this offends you, like just, I don't know, just deal with it. Jesus... When he learned, when he was learning how to eat, got food all over his face. Jesus had diapers. He did not always have control of his bowels. Jesus had to learn how to talk. He didn't come out the womb speaking Hebrew. He had to learn to be in relationship with his father. He had to learn to submit to his parents. The child grew and waxed strong. And the King James waxed strong means that he developed strength in or from his spirit. Filled with wisdom. And the grace of, a, and the grace of God was upon him. Now what's really unique is that it says in John chapter 1 that he was grace. But yet here it says that grace was upon him. How can grace be upon you and you be grace at the same time? He was the fullness of grace and truth. I think it's John 1.17. Because he, on the inside, his spirit man was absolutely perfect. Lord at his birth was God, perfectly God. His body, sinless, but still human. Just like yours. His soul, just like yours. 
Except he probably guarded it way better and did way better things with his soul than we do. When we're prostituting our soul out to the world to try to get a little bit of relief, he never did that. He always kept his soul to the Father. Luke 2.52, a few verses later, it says that Jesus Christ grew in stature and in favor with God and man. Now these are two verses, back to back, in the Bible that tells us that Jesus had to develop himself. So we need to understand when we see Jesus in the scriptures, you're seeing someone that you can literally and legitimately See, as an example for you to live your life, you don't get to say, well, that's Jesus. He was perfect. And then excuse away why you should live in perfection. You don't get to see Jesus and make an excuse. All you get to do is see Jesus and then attain the target. That's my big brother. If he can do it, with the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead that dwells in my mortal body, I can do it. Be ye holy, for I am holy. When you see Jesus, don't you dare put Him on some pedestal that makes Him unreachable and unattainable. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. Can you do it in your strength? Absolutely not. You're a loser. So God takes losers and fills them with Himself. Amen. And now you're not a loser. Amen. Then you're Stacy Christ. Right. Some Stacy, some Christ. You choose how much. Amen. You want to lean all the way into God and stay in the waters of grace and just let Him flow? then you can be like Jesus. And you can grow and in stature and in favor with God and man. Or you can be all the way over here carnal and just say, well, I just don't know why God never does anything for me. I don't know why I'm sick all the time. I don't know why everybody hates me. I do. We're going to go from Luke 2 to Luke 22. Verse 31. That's where we're starting. Thanks, buddy. Luke 30, uh, 22, 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Uh, this is Peter. We, we all tend to resonate a little bit with Peter. He's the guy like always putting his foot in his mouth, doing stupid stuff, getting in trouble. And a lot of us are like, I'm just like Peter. No, you're not. You're like Jesus. <laughs> so stop it. Does Peter do some stuff that you do? Yeah. Does Jesus do some stuff that you do? Yeah. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired... To have you. <laughs> Amen. I could say everybody's name in this building and say, Satan has desired to have you. You are greatly loved by heaven and greatly desired by hell. Hell is hungry and heaven desires you. You are the most important thing on the planet. Satan wants you and Jesus wants you. And some of you are just sitting there thinking, I don't know if anybody even cares about me. I'm over here all by myself and I'm alone and nobody calls me and nobody texts me. And there's a literal war in heaven over you. 
all of hell is fighting against all of heaven to try to get you. And you're like, oh, nobody texted me in five days. I only got five up thumbs on my Facebook post. And the father's like, are you for real? This is World War 4,744 for you. You are greatly loved. And you're greatly hated. Does that bless anybody? Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. The sifting process has two points, or two parts. There's the threshing and the winnowing. The threshing is where they would take the wheat grains and they would put them on a floor and they would beat them with something like a broom. Buffet, buffet, over and over and over and over and over. Not with something hard enough that could ever kill or destroy the grain, but something hard enough to knock the outside apart. This is what Satan wants to do to you. He wants to hit you over and over and over until he knocks the outside apart because he really wants to get to the inside of you because if he can get to the inside of you, he can steal the fruit. So then after it's threshed for a while, then they would take the wheat and they would throw it up in the air outside and even a light breeze would then blow the chaff away, which was the outside husks and only the fruit would fall to the ground. So after Satan buffets you, buffets you, buffets you, buffets you, buffets you, buffets you, then he wants to throw you up in the air so you have no context of what's going on. You're up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down till you finally give up and then he gets to blow you away. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. If you feel like that's going on in you, you're right. But... Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, Jesus, the Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is literally interceding for you. Jesus is praying for you. I don't know if anybody prays for me. Jesus does. I need to call the prayer chain and get a hundred people praying over this situation because this is really hard. Jesus is praying. Yeah, but I need more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have prayer chain text messages like a hundred years ago. <laughs> and they still got stuck. I know, it's amazing. They actually had Christianity before cell phones. Jesus is praying for you. Specifically, that your faith... And this is cool how Jesus said this. He said, I have prayed for you. He's actively praying for you. But in this context, what he told Peter was, I already prayed for this. It's, <laughs> imagine being Peter for a second. Like, you're chilling. Like, you're hanging out with the Lord. Everything's going super awesome. And then he's like, hey, by the way, dude, uh, Satan wants to kill you badly. Like, beat you up, throw you in the air, do terrible stuff to you. Anybody ever get one of those prophetic words? <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, but I prayed for you. <laughs> it's like, bam! But you prayed for me. That your faith fail not. Ah, oh, crap, now it's back on my faith? <laughs> yeah, of course. We want Jesus to like whoosh in like Superman and like fix everything and we're going to be a little Lois Lane and we're going to faint and fall out of the building and like you're going to catch me, right, Lord? 
No, don't get on the edge of the building. Has anybody ever watched the Superman movies and you're always like, Lois Lane, why are you standing on a ledge? Lois Lane, why are you in the wrong place at the wrong time? Every time! It's because the only time she got to be intimate with Superman. A lot of people's Christianity is this way. They know Jesus is Savior, and so they're always putting themselves in terrible places so Jesus can swoop in and save them because that's the only intimacy they know is the damsel in distress. And that's a bad Christianity. Yes, Jesus should be Savior. Yes, you should have Jesus come in and swoop and save you. But you should not stay there and keep putting yourself on ledges and throwing yourself off, expecting Jesus to come and rescue you all the time. Because it's a terrible relationship to have with Jesus. You should move past Savior into Lord, where he says, Don't stand on the edge of the building. And you say, Yes, Lord. I know. Americans don't like to hear the term Lord. Because we're free. Nobody tell me what to do. And the cool thing is, is if you understand lordship, you'll eventually get to where Jesus wants you, which is what he told the disciples in John chapter 14, which is, I used to call you servants. Now I'm calling you friends. Because you stuck it out with me. When you stick it out with the Lord, read Revelations. For those that endure to the end, there's like a, a bunch of gifts that they get. You get a crown, you get everlasting life, you get all these things. If you stick it out with Jesus, like if you go through that lordship process and you understand him and you learn how to hear his voice and filter through all the different voices in your head and, and get things sorted in your life, like there's all these benefits that flow from that. And that's friendship, which is where he wants to take all of us. A lot of us like the Savior thing because we like to just fall off the building. Oh, Jesus, come rescue. And he swoops in and we cry and we have this emotional experience with him and then we go on for a couple of weeks and everything gets terrible until we fall off the building again. And I prayed for you that your faith fell not. And when you are converted, and the word converted means return back to center. Return back to center. To healthy center. So Peter's going to get off kilter. Like, duh, he denies the Lord. But Jesus says, when you get back to center, strengthen your brothers. You can only give what you have. Peter, you got to be healthy because I have a job for you. You need to help make other people healthy. And what's cool here is he's like, hey, Satan's gonna, Satan really terribly wants you. But I prayed for you. You'll be fine. When you get back to center, you see how the Lord always talks in faith? When you get back to, not if, when you get back to center, strengthen your brothers. And he said unto him, Lord, Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. This is so how like we respond. Like Lord says, hey, Steve, will you do this for me? I'll do it. Twice as good as you want it. And then it's like the day after and you're like, Oh, I forgot to do the thing for the Lord. No, I'll get to it, Lord. Right after the stuff and the thing. Because i got to do this job. And he's like, okay. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before uh, that thou shalt thrice deny. Wow, that's King Jamesy. Uh, you're going to deny me three times. And he said unto him, when I sent you 
now this is interesting. And he said, when I, to them, not just Peter, this was to the whole gang. When I sent you out preaching and you didn't have your wallet and you didn't have a paper Bible in your hand and you didn't have shoes, did you have anything? Did you lack anything? This is radical. A lot of people think that like the empowerment that God's going to give them in life is going to give them all this stuff. And then when you got all this stuff, then you're going to be able to go out and do the things that the Lord asks you to do. It's like, Lord, first, please provide everything I need so I can get it all right and organized. And then I'll go and do what you need. He says, how about this? How about I send you out naked, no money, no food, no coat, no shoes. And then when you get out there, you're going to find out you didn't have any lack. And I tell you what, I could preach on this for days. I can't, because this is not where I'm going, but this is incredibly important. If you're waiting on Him to provide for you, so you can go do the thing that He asked you to do, you are completely backwards. And they said, nothing. That's a simple answer to a simple question. Verse 36, and He said, but now... He that has a purse or a wallet, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. He that has no sword. Jesus is a pro-Second Amendment Lord, by the way. For those of you that think like God would never read the Bible. For I say unto you that this, that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoning among the transgressors for the... And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. The Jesus Christ Evangelistic Association walked around packing heat. I know that some people are like, tilt. And I can hear the wires bursting. Jesus Christ carried swords, or as guys did, which is equivalent to a concealed carry pistol. Here's two. They didn't even have one. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said to them, it's enough. So while I'm on the Second Amendment thing, like having 5,000 guns, you're wacko. And someone needs to tell you so. And you need to sell 4,979 of them. And give your pastor two of them. (laughs) And he came out and went, (laughs) I just want one AR. That's all. I just want one. I don't have any. I just want one. And he came out and went and went and as he went to the, and as he was wont, This is talking about Jesus had, um, I don't want to say tradition or religion, but Jesus had a way. Jesus did certain things in his life and he did them regularly. He regularly went to the Lord in prayer. He would skip meals and he would skip eating to go to the Lord and pray. Now he was perfect. Why would he need to pray? And he had everything provided that anybody could ever need. Why would he need to be praying? This is why a lot of our prayer lives are jacked up. We think our prayer lives is going to God and getting something. Jesus just wanted to go hang out with Dad. 
Amen. It was a long day at the office. I healed ten lepers, and only one of them appreciated it. Raised some people from the dead. Cast out a bunch of demons. Watched a bunch of pigs fall off a cliff. I just want to go hang out with Dad. It's been a long day. How about if your prayer life was about maybe hanging out with Dad instead of doing your list? And as he was wont, he went to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at that place, he said unto them, Pray. What kind of prayer? His kind of prayer. Pray that you enter not into temptation. Prayer is super important because it keeps your mind focused on the fact that God is on the inside of you. God is perfect. God loves you. And God wants to give you everything that your heart desires. That's one of the most important parts about praying. Is that you are focused on Him and His kingdom and what He wants. When you're not praying, the world is telling you what to desire. Right? I mean, they can't even sell toothpaste without sex. Uh, Think about it. What in the world does toothpaste got to do with naked people? But you cannot see a toothpaste commercial without like five naked people standing at a sink. Like, like why do you need to be naked? Just show me the teeth. (laughs) Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn... And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. And he said, Father, if it be, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I don't have time to get into that, to, to unpackage that. The point was his soul had a desire that was contrary to the plan of God. For those of you that think that Jesus didn't struggle with stuff, struggle with decisions, then you need to take this out of your Bible. But if He can be victorious, and there appeared an angel unto Him from heaven, strengthening Him. And being in agony, He prayed more earnestly. Man, I really want to talk about angels. That'll have to be another time. If you go to the Kononia, ask me about angels. i got a really cool revelation of angels. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He was wrestling with the plan of destiny for his life so much that he literally was breaking capillaries in himself, resisting against not doing his destiny. That's why it says in Hebrews, you have yet to resist unto blood doing what God has called you to do. You know why you will never have to get to the point where you have to resist unto blood? Because you are never going to be tempted the way he was tempted to the degree that he was tempted. You are not going to have to bleed to resist temptation because he bled for you to empower you so you'd never have to get to the place where you have to bleed to resist temptation. You can actually not have to resist this hard and still have your destiny. Those of you that are that are thinking that it ain't all coming together because maybe God's not on your side, maybe you don't have enough power, you don't have enough whatever, it is 
That is an absolute lie. The only reason you're not where you need to be is because of the loose wire that's between here and there. It is your thinking. Your life goes the dominant direction of your thought life. You think broke, you are broke. You think sick, you are sick. You think depressed, you are depressed. You think oppressed, you are depressed. Period. And I'm sorry. And that's the stuff that people don't like. But it's super true. It actually it blesses me. When I hear people tell me things like that, hey, Steve, you're thinking wrong, and wrong thinking leaves to wrong living, which leaves to wrong... I'm always like, oh, I was thinking wrong about that? Well, thanks for pointing that out. Praise God, I won't think that way anymore. That was stupid. Yeah, I know, that was stupid. Well, thank you for helping me. I say that to people, and they don't say thank you. (laughs) No, you don't get to say thank you now. (laughs) Nice try, though. (laughs) And being in agony, prayed earnestly, and as it were, great sweats of drops were of blood were falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. The disciples were sleeping for sorrow. <laughs> like they had a terrible day coming up. Are you following me? They were knocked out because of the sorrow they were experiencing and he was the one going to the cross. You know what this shows? Super self-centeredness in the disciples. Had they worried about their Lord, they would have been praying for Him. And not being all personally sorrowful and then passing out. And your soul, you can literally put your soul in such a bad way that your soul will pass will just give up. That's what happened. They passed out because their souls gave up. Like, man, this is hard. You taking care of you, you being self-centered with your soul, will make your soul give up. And this is why a lot of people are like, oh my God, I am so worn out. I just want to go to bed. I just want, I just need a vacation. I just need a break. I just need to get away. I just need... Because you are doing things with your soul that you should never do. If you're like... <laughs> Not even a single amen on that one. <laughs> If your life is hard, if your life is wearing you out, if your life is overwhelming, if your life is any of those things, you're doing it wrong. Amen. Okay, hey, 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 got one. I'll just preach to Jeff. You're doing it wrong. And I, the reason that doesn't bless you because you don't like to be told that you're wrong. Like we're still like two, like you're wrong. No, I'm not. You're doing it wrong. You're trying to do it from your strength, from your ability, from your soul. That was never how you were created to be. That's why it's overwhelming. That's why it's breaking you. That's why it's causing you issues. You were actually supposed to live this life from supernatural power, from supernatural ability, from the Spirit of Christ. And you're trying to do it from your way of thinking, from your ability, from your muscles, from, from you just, you know, like guys are really good at this. We're just going to grunt down and do it. You're going to break. You're going to break. Maybe you're not going to break in that situation, 
But eventually you're going to break. You're not created to carry that stress. You're not created to do that. You're created to be a son. You're created to have a divine father who does things for you, who empowers you with his power, which gives you his thoughts and gives you his ability and does things for you because you're supposed to be a son. And you think... And you think it's a grown-up thing for you to do everything yourself. It is not. It is very immature for you to be standing with the divine creator of the entire universe and say, hold on, Dad. I got this. No. A smart son says, hey, Dad, I'll follow you. And let him go kick tailbone. And then you just get to pick up all the pieces. And what? Whoa, just closed my app. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and they that came, and it was called Judas. So I want to show you something real quick. So if you flip over to, and I'm just going to have him do it up there. So if we flip over, this exact thing played out in Matthew 26. This is one of the 16 things that in the scriptures that all four gospels countered. So in Matthew chapter 16, this is Jesus having the same thing happen. In verse 36, then comes Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane and said unto his disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. This is Jesus. How many of you have this in your doctrine? That Jesus was sorrowful and very heavy. (laughs) You need to. This is the Bible. And he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he, Jesus, to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. His what? His soul is exceeding sorrowful. Not his spirit. His spirit is God. His spirit is Christ. His soul, he had soul things going on. His soul was exceeding sorrowful. If you're in here and your soul is exceeding sorrowful today, you could say you're like Jesus. The difference is he had an actual real excuse. Most of our excuses are lame. His soul was exceeding sorrowful. So the reason I'm pointing this out is what did Jesus do about it? If we see what our Lord did about it, if we see what our big brother did about things going on in his soul, then we do what he did and we can have the results that he had. My soul is exceeding sorrowful. Watch with me. You know what watch is? Pray. Pray. Go to the Father. Stop going to the pill. Stop going to the medicine cabinet. Stop going to the doctor. Stop going to the therapist. Stop going to the psychiatrist. Stop going to all the people that are going to muck up your soul. Stop going to that one person that when you call them, you guys like to cry together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he went a little further and fell on his face and he prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So this is the exact same situation with a little bit more understanding. And he came unto the disciples and finds them asleep and says to Peter, What? <laughs> Amen. A lot of people think that if Jesus showed up, he'd be like, Hey, bless you. 
little sheep. Nope. Like sometimes he's like, what? No, what are you doing? <laughs> Amen. What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch with me. You know what he was asking for? You know why he took James, John, and uh, Peter with him? You know, he left some of them, and he took three. Did you follow this in the story? Why? Because he trusted those three to help him. Jesus needed help. I know, this is messing with you. Jesus needed help. And he took his three closest, who knew his heart the most, who understood him the best, And he wanted to take them into the darkest moment of his earthly existence. And he expected them to get his back. And they got selfish and sorrowful and sleepy. Jesus needed help. And his helpers were sleeping on the job. Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh. So you should press into the Spirit. Uh, If you remember what he told Peter, like when you're converted, go and strengthen your brothers. Peter was converted at this point. If you remember, Peter went out and was willing to die and go to prison. That's what he said to Jesus. He was so willing to stand with Jesus that he said, I'm willing to die with you and go to prison. By his own mouth, he was converted and he couldn't help the Lord. And if you read on later on, the Father sent Jesus an angel. God's backup plan to the disciples not doing what they were called to do was to send Jesus an angel. God didn't want to send Jesus an angel. God had to send Jesus an angel because the people in his life failed him. The Father never fails him. So here's where I'm going with this, beloved. There are people in this room that the Father has ordained and anointed and filled with exhortation, with encouragement, and with comfort, with prayer for you. You know why the government was able to shut the church down and the church said okay? Because they did. The church said okay. Shut the church down. Terrible. Anyway, honey, you want to sit on the couch and make scrambled eggs? The reason the government was able to shut the church down is because the church said, okay, because they don't have this. They don't. They don't have this. Well, if I go in that building and I be with those people, great. If I don't, whatever. I don't need them. I can be the church. It's just me and the Father. And we'll sit in my prayer closet and I'll just be the church with Daddy. 
He's going to have to send you angel after angel after angel after angel, and it's a terrible situation for you to be in. When God has ordained for there to be fellow laborers, for you to have brothers and sisters in the Lord that are supposed to go up to Gethsemane with you, and in the time that your soul is sorrowful and very heavy, for them to stand with you, for them to intercede with you, for them to be strong for you when you are struggling, for them to speak encouragement to you, for them to be uh, to, to exhort you, for them to tell you about your identity. Do you know what that angel was telling Jesus while he was ministered to him? You are the Son of God. You are the Savior of the world. I can prove this because other times that angels showed up in Jesus' life, they ministered the exact same thing. They ministered identity and they ministered destiny. And I got so much I'm unsane today. We have got to understand like this is an important part. This isn't just something that we do on Sunday so we can get our cool Christian t-shirt. If you are not taking advantage of what this room has to offer, people that adore you, people that love you, people that are probably anointed and placed by God to be a part of your life, to pray for you, to go up to the mountain and not let you sweat blood, to take the burden for you and from you and with you, to come alongside of you, And if you're not making yourself available to that, Jesus Christ made Himself available to help from humans. And you're not transparent enough to go to people? God did it. He told them, I'm sorrowful and very heavy. I'm struggling right now, guys. Jesus said that. Jesus! And they fell asleep on Him. This this super breaks my heart. If Jesus came up to me and said, Steve, I'm struggling right now. Will you pray for me? Jesus! And then I... It was five days later and I reflected back on that moment and I remembered that what I did was said, yeah, Lord, I'll pray for you. And then I fell asleep. How many of us are falling asleep on something that the Father's called us to do with each other? And I'm here to wake you up. Awake unto righteousness and sin not. Yes, we should be here and worship the Lord. Yes, we should be here. And have praise and adoration for God. And for everything He's done. And be incredibly thankful. But don't you dare forget about the fact that there is somebody sitting to the left and somebody sitting to the right. And that person is so important that hell's fighting for them and the Father sent Jesus to die for them. I think they're important enough for you to pray for them. To encourage them. To exhort them. To believe God with them. To tell them about their identity. To never judge them. To never condemn them. To never hold them just accountable for fruits, but to tell them about the root that they have in Christ Jesus. And if Jesus, in a time, in a dark time, 
needed to have that take place. And it was so important that the, that God, basically the Father, had to send a backup plan, which is an angel to do what He wanted man to do. And I can prove that in the Scriptures too. I can't do it right now. Then we should do that for each other. We should not have to make God do plan B because we are His plan A. It is my job to love my sister, to pray for my sister. It is my job to love my brother and pray for my brother, to tell him about his identity. To never think evil. To only think good. To encourage, exhort. To weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. And when a church does this for real, in genuine, in sincerity, it's going to be something that's so unique that they're going to call you a cult. And you're going to pray everybody in the world gets into a cult. Because it's that good. All right, I want to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His precious, life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is a place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, you who are greatly loved by the Father, I pray, I desire above all things that you prosper and you experience divine health to the degree that you allow that to saturate and prosper your soul. I pray that you receive these words and they change every aspect of your life. I love you. I'll see you again soon. Thank you.